0: it's still a little bit uh, surreal, wouldn't you say? It's still a little bit surreal watching him up there. It's almost like you're watching like a a Comedy Central or The Onion special, watching this buffoon uh, as president of the United States. I mean, it's just, I still can't get over it. I, I still can't get over it. But I mean, I watched it. There was not anything in there. You know, the corporate media treats it like a sporting event. Like, oh, what is, you know, what is he wearing? Did he score any points? You know, who's up, who's down and all this stuff. Uh, I didn't find it, frankly, that interesting. However, uh, I did find uh, there was a bit of a two or three minute line uh, sentence, which I think was Trump basically previewing, you know, what he'll run on in 2020. Uh, if he's still in office, because who knows? Impeachment, resign, who knows? But uh, it was it was quite telling uh, that in one like two and a half three minute period, you have the Democratic Party basically cheering for the United States leading a illegal coup d'état uh, of the Venezuelan government. So in one one state one section. Uh, both the Democrats and Republicans cheering in unison. Hey, yay! We're 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 letting uh, a, a fake president, an unelected fake president, uh, take over in Venezuela, so he could then sell the oil to us, or so we could go basically steal the oil. Yay, democracy at work. So that that was something. And then of course Trump uh, pitting you know our freedom. Our freedom is under attack from the evil boogie so- boogeyman socialists like Bernard Sanders. So uh, let's, let's show you uh, what I'm talking about. Here is uh, the, United, the United Corporations of America, both sides of the aisle, cheering our illegal coup in Venezuela.
1: Two weeks ago, the United States officially recognized the legitimate government of Venezuela and its new president, Juan Guaido. we stand with the venezuelan people in their noble quest for freedom and we condemn the brutality of the maduro regime whose socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in south america into a state of abject poverty and despair
0: so before we continue this farce uh, did you notice Did you notice Nancy Pelosi clapping it up? Clapping it up, Nancy Pelosi, for our our legal coup d'etat of Venezuela. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is the Democrats. This is the Democratic Party we have. Nancy Pelosi just sitting there. Yay. Yay. And, you know, United States inserting a, a puppet leader who's going to sell off all of Venezuela's uh, assets to Citgo and us. I mean, it's unbelievable. You have Kirsten Gillibrand running for president. Wonderful. I couldn't see uh, the rest of the presidential candidates, but I I believe Elizabeth Warren also uh, was clapping for that. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The sheer arrogance... Uh, immorality, because are more people are going to die in Venezuela because of what we're doing than if Maduro is left in power. That's just a fact. Uh, but it, it's also interesting because they're talking about this guy, uh, Juan Guaido, like he's some freedom fighter. This is Juan Guaido in 2010 with a, a bunch of quote-unquote quote protesters who were literally trained by the United States. He went to a meeting with these protesters who were trained by the United States uh, to topple Dem- former Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. This is Juan Guaido. Here we go, 5 hours, here we go. Francisco de Miranda, full of people. Vemos hacia, la, hacia abajo, hacia la autopista, también lot of people resisting. Recuerdo que en el 2007 visitamos estudiantes, hoy We're resistencia, en la resistencia. Vamos que sí se puede. So there he is at a protest. Uh, I believe that was in, oh, excuse me, 2014. 2014. But if you read about it, if you read about it, he, along with other protesters, were basically trained by the United States. They were trained by the United States uh, to basically on how to protest, on how to you know tra- topple, uh, Chavez. Let me find it here. More than a decade before these intrigues, a group of right wing opposition students were hand selected and groomed by an elite US funded regime train regime change training academy to topple Venezuela's government and restore the neoliberal order. So right there, this guy who Nancy Pelosi's clapping for and all these people are clapping for Juan Guaido is literally a puppet of the United States of America. And Trump is talking about, oh, freedom, freedom for Venezuela. We care so much about freedom for Venezuela. No, you don't. You care about Venezuela's oil. It's unbelievable. And by the way, by the way, uh, he is part of an extreme right-wing opposition that has already said they're going to sell off Venezuela's public assets, essentially, to the United States. Here we go. The right-wing opposition leader Uh, that the United States is trying to undemocratically install as Venezuela's president immediately set his sights on the country's state-owned oil company, which he is hoping to restructure and move towards privatization. He is also seeking money from the notorious International Monetary Fund to fund his unelected government. On January 23rd, President Trump recognized the little-known U.S. educated opposition politician Juan Guaido as the supposed interim president of Venezuela. Within 48 hours, Guaido quickly tried to seize control of Venezuela's major U.S.-based oil refiner and use its revenue to help bankroll his U.S.-backed coup regime. Guaido is attempting to fire the directors of Citgo Petroleum, which is owned by Venezuela's state oil company PDVSA, and seek to appoint his own new board. Reuters described Citgo as, quote, Venezuela's most important foreign asset, Bloomberg calls it the crown jewel of PDVSA's assets. Citgo is the largest purchaser of Venezuelan oil, although crippling sanctions imposed by the Trump administration have prevented the company from sending revenue to Venezuela, starving the government of funding. Citing U.S. officials, the Washington Post reported that the Trump administration's strategy, quote, is to use the newly declared interim government as a tool to deny Maduro the oil revenue for the U.S. that provides Venezuela virtually all its incoming cash. Oh, so we're basically trying to privatize Venezuela's national oil system and then Trump has the temerity to talk about Venezuela's abject poverty that we are helping to keep in place. And we condemn the
1: brutality of the Maduro regime whose socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in South America into a state of abject poverty and despair.
0: There's Nancy clapping away again. Clapping away at this bullshit. And again, again, so let's get this straight. Venezuela was once a very rich country, but the United States uh, it's not just the United States, uh, the Maduro government has done things that have not been great economically. However, they have also redistributed a lot of wealth, helped educate people that were not educated, and helped uh, it helped stop uh, massive poverty. Things have gotten very bad because the United States has had crippling sanctions in place that is stopping the flow of revenue to the Venezuelan government, It's stopping uh, life saving medicine, stopping uh, you know, businesses from taking out foreign loans, many, many things. So you know, it's kind of like an arsonist who's burning down a fire, then who's burning down a house. And while the house burns on fire, the arsonist is saying, what, what irresponsible homeowners. So this is the United States as arsonist burning down Venezuela and then sitting there saying, you know, these irresponsible homeowners who left the gas on. It's disgusting. Absolutely shameful. We're, we're, we're cheering on, you know, Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic Party, you know, just like they cheered on Iraq. Just like they have no problem with indefinite war in Afghanistan, you know, let's be in Syria, let's be in Yemen, let's be in Pakistan, let's be in Somalia. I mean, name your Middle Eastern country. (laughs) We're there. We're bombing. So Democratic Party has no problem with endless war. Democratic Party has no problem with illegal regime change. Democratic Party is attacking Tulsi Gabbard because she's the only one with the integrity against this illegal regime change. Uh, frankly, I still haven't heard anything from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Venezuela. Have you? I saw that she retweeted uh, Ro Khanna a couple, couple, like two weeks ago. I haven't heard her take a stand. I've heard uh, Ilhar Omar. Is that her name? The Minnesota congresswoman? Uh, she's taken a stand against this illegal, illegal regime change. Because, you know, Trump... Oh, law and order, law and order, law and order. He don't give a damn about law and order. He, he he cares about oil and order. Oil and order. That should be Trump's slogan for 2020. It's disgusting. So let's continue. Uh, first, Nancy Pelosi and all of them cheered on uh, for regime change in Venezuela. Let's see what they have to say on socialism.
1: We are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve.
0: You ever, you ever notice that these things they like start cheering USA, USA. It's like a, <clears throat> it's like a like a high testosterone high school football locker room. USA, USA, USA. It's ridiculous. And by the way, in that clip, it didn't show you, but there were a lot of Democrats actually standing and cheering Trump. Uh, uh, the the you know, derailing against the evil, evil socialist army. Evil, evil socialist army. Uh, And, you know, the threat of socialism, you know, the threat uh, of, you know, more money for the worker bees. Such a threat, these socialists. And by the way, Bernie Sanders, obviously you saw, didn't exactly, you know, stand up saluting that. He did his own response to Trump's State of the Union. And uh, I'm looking right now, what did Bernie Sanders get? Half a million views. Not too shabby. This man got half a million views in less than 24 hours for his response. Let's praise some of his response.
2: Uh, For too long. And let me also just congratulate uh, Stacey Abrams uh, for her very, very effective response uh, to President Trump's State of the Union. Uh, Now we I think all know why she would have been a wonderful governor uh, of Georgia. Um, I know that this will probably not shock uh, you, uh, but uh, I hate to say this, uh, but not everything Donald Trump said tonight was true or accurate. Uh, Tonight, uh, when we talk about the economy, tonight and on numerous occasions uh, since he has taken office, President Trump has told the American people that the U.S. economy is the hottest economy anywhere in the world, that it is really booming. Well, that may be true for the members of his um, Mar-a-Lago Country Club, where the price of admission has doubled to $200,000. For those folks who go to Trump's club and for the wealthiest people in our nation, Trump is right. Uh, The economy is really booming. In fact, for many of President Trump's billionaire friends, the truth is they have never, ever had it so good. But for the middle class and for the working families of our country, the truth is that the economy is not so great. Over the last year, for example, real inflation accounted for wages for the average American worker is up by all of 1.2%, just $9.11 a week. In fact, real wages for that same worker, that average American worker, are lower today than they were in 1973. Let me repeat that. The average American worker, after adjusting for inflation, is earning less today than he or she did 46 years ago, despite huge increases in productivity.
0: So there you have Bernie, dropping some facts, dropping some facts. But you know what's interesting to me? So, you know, Trump and actually a lot of Democrats, you saw John Tester was up there chanting uh, against socialism, and there were quite a few Democrats chanting against socialism too. And you know Nancy Pelosi wanted to stand up and and chant against Socialism. Remember, she said, you know, I'm a capitalist. You know, we're capitalists. You know, that's it. Uh, What can I tell you? We're capitalists, she infamously said. But, recent Gallup poll shows that uh, actually more people in America have a favorable view of socialism than capitalism, and by a lot. 2018 positive view of capitalism 47%. Uh, positive view of socialism, 57%. That 47% number is kind of comical when you remember, remember Mitt Romney? Well, 47% of people in America, you know, just want free stuff or whatever the hell he said. I don't even remember. So Bernie Sanders, you know, this evil, evil threat of the socialist boogeyman, you know, this, the evil looming threat of the socialist boogeyman, Who's going to, you know, come while you're sleeping and take all your money and he's going to give it to the homeless people if you're wealthy. Uh, well, apparently 57% of Americans uh, are kind of into that. Kind of into that. And look at look at the change. I mean, 2010, it was even. But it's gone down. It's gone up and then it's it's gone down nine points in two years. Well, what happened in those two years? Bernie Sanders awoke a hell of a lot of people as to what socialism really is, which is kind of just, you know, doing the government representing working people, investing in working people. That's actually what socialism means, democratic socialism. It's got, the capitalism has gone down by nine points. And that's what Trump And that's what a lot of Democrats and Republicans were cheering about yesterday in their jingoistic. So to them, freedom, freedom means illegally toppling a democratically elected government in Venezuela and stealing their oil. That's freedom. But to them, tyranny, tyranny is socialism. What the majority of Americans want. 70% 70% want Medicare for all. 60% free public college. 58% $15 minimum wage. 72% expand Social Security. 57% break up the big banks. 64% legalize weed. 65% jobs guarantee. Not on this list. 81% Green New Deal. Thank you, Shane Baka, $4.99. In the super chat, do you think the coup in Venezuela is also a way to put stoke of fear into people about socialism? Kind of a red scare 2.0. Do I think? Of course it is. They have nothing else. Look at the polls. People want socialism. And by the way, the reason they keep using the word socialism is because it has a negative connotation, but it's not even full socialism what Bernie Sanders is talking about. He's not saying get rid of, you know, private enterprise, get rid of private companies. No. He's saying the government needs to redistribute the money from the top, which it already has been redistributed. We already live in a socialist country. It's a socialist country for the rich. Who do you think is paying for those tax cuts for Trump's donors and yacht and yacht owners? Us. Because they're cutting programs for workers. They're cutting programs for seniors. They're cutting programs for students. They're cutting programs for average people and the most vulnerable. So that they could basically give giant, giant tax cuts, deregulation, and subsidies to rich people and companies. So I don't want to hear Trump and, and, you know, these Democrats clapping like John Tester. There were other Democrats clapping too. They believe in socialism, just for wealthy donors from Wall Street, Big Pharma, fossil fuels, real estate developers, and Silicon Valley. And this Fox News, this Fox News uh, segment was particularly humorous. Uh, you know, Fox News can't believe its own poll on socialism.
3: There is an, I see, what seems to be a movement against capitalism in this country. This is a piece in Politico, uh, just published, Soak the Rich. Americans say, go for it. In this piece, it talks about uh, how recent polling is showing that the American public is increasingly on board with raising taxes on the rich. As evidence, uh, evidence we pulled up this latest Fox News poll on the issue, whether Americans support raising taxes on the wealthy, on incomes over 10 million bucks. Uh, Those that are in favor of that, 70%, Charles, over a million dollars in income, 65%.
0: The idea of fairness has been promoted in our schools for a long time, and we're starting
2: to see kids who grew up in this notion that fairness above all, Uh, and and now they're becoming voting age, and they're bringing this uh, ideology with them.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. That's so funny. Oh my god, they're teaching these kids in school about fairness? We need to we really need to talk to these teachers about what they're teach what are they teaching these kids in school fairness? <laughs> Sorry, I don't really play Fox News that much, but it kind of gives me a chuckle sometimes. So, first of all, they're not teaching fairness in schools. I didn't, you know, I went to school, I was in college, what's, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, I graduated college. Uh, They weren't teaching about socialism or fairness uh, in college. I didn't learn about socialism or or fairness in high school or elementary school. You don't learn anything in school. Uh, Well, in my case, not much. But, no, you know where they're learning about fairness? You know where people are learning about Fairness or, more importantly, corruption and oligarchy and greed and immorality, frankly, from Bernie Sanders, independent media, if I do say so myself, Fight for 15, Medicare for All activists, Green New Deal activists, water protectors in Standing Rock, activists in Flint, and the real freedom fighters, Black Lives Matter, I mean, the list goes on. But it's so funny because the, the elite that own our media, all wealthy people, predominantly white, they, to them, this is not fair. What's so amazing about this is, you know, th- this, this hypocrisy the sheer hypocrisy of the oligarchy railing about socialism well your vote you are you are supposed to be representing representing american citizens who elect you into office so how is it that you're supposed to be representing american citizens yet all the polls you're ignoring because all the polls are telling you Uh, American citizens want these quote-unquote socialist policies. They're not even full socialism, these policies. It's just fairness. It's just egalitarian. It's just anti-greed. And by the way, the, the, the millionaires will make, and the billionaires will make a lot of money still, if these policies go into a place. It's not like you're saying, let's get rid of Goldman Sachs. Let's get rid of ExxonMobil. Let's get rid of, well, I'd like to get rid of, uh, you know, big pharma. That's not what Bernie Sanders is even saying. I'm glad Trump is coming up with this socialism argument. It's good for his base, but it's not good for his reelection chances, because there's a whole lot more people that are down with the socialism. And if he runs against Bernie Sanders, I would think you might be looking at one of the biggest electoral landslides in American history, if it's Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. Mark my words. Wanted to move on uh, to the continuing McCarthyism and downright propaganda against Tulsi Gabbard. Here is Tulsi Gabbard on Morning Joe, these these wonderful people at
2: Morning Joe. Uh, this- I wanted to ask, uh, Congressman Gabbard, you brought a very interesting guest last night to the State of the Union. Yes. A prominent uh, Syrian politician who's part of the group we've been allying with in Northeast Syria that's been keeping the the peace there and I'm wondering what you told uh, this Syrian politician about what's ahead for them and as the as the American troops begin to pull out are they at risk of being slaughtered in those areas and what should we do about it
3: well I think more importantly I heard from her their concerns uh, about Turkey's threats Uh, knowing that if there is a pull out of U.S. troops overnight and it's too hasty, then the Kurds, who have been our most effective fighting force against ISIS in Syria, will be left to Turkey's slaughter. Uh, She referred to what has already happened in places like Afrin in Syria, to know what would lie ahead uh, if there is not an opportunity for the Kurds in the northern part of Syria to broker some form of security agreement that will allow them to, uh, frankly, protect their homes and protect their families going forward. She also said, we never expected the United States to keep soldiers there forever. They always knew it would be a temporary situation focused on fighting against ISIS. All she's saying is give us the space to be able to make sure that we are able to secure ourselves uh, before the United States pulls out all of our troops. Did she ask you why you met with Assad? No, she didn't. Uh, but we had a discussion about that, and she recognized why I met with him and agreed with that meeting because she knows how important it is that we be willing to meet with uh, adversaries or potential adversaries, not just our friends. Do you think Assad if is our enemy? We are serious about the pursuit of peace. Do you think Assad is our enemy? Assad is not the enemy of the United States because the United, uh, Syria poses a direct threat to the United States. What do you say to to Democratic voters who watched you go over there and and, and what do you say to military members who have been deployed repeatedly in Syria pushing back against Assad? Uh, People who have been deployed to Syria have been there focused on their mission, which has been to defeat ISIS. Our troops have not gone to Syria to uh, wage yet another costly, destructive regime change war. And Many troops I hear from express frustration. Mm -hmm. at the fact that our country continues to wage senseless costly regime change wars followed by nation building missions leading to uh, situations like we see in afghanistan so many examples of our troops being deployed their lives put on the line without understanding what the clear mission or objective is and how that mission actually serves the security of the american people in the united states
0: what's so funny did you see all of them looking at her wait can i find that again Hold on. Oh, their animosity. look at them. They can't take it. Who is this? Who is this woman talking about regime change and challenging our empire? How dare she?
1: Which I think a lot of Americans would agree with you there. But again, going back to Assad, Assad is not an enemy. Is he an is he an adversary Mm. of the United States?
3: We have to look to who poses a threat to the United States and the American. I
1: understand that, but there are a lot of people who don't pose a direct military threat to the United States who consider themselves to be adversaries of the United States. Vladimir Putin poses uh, or considers uh, America to be an enemy. We consider Russia to be an adversary. I'm just asking, do you consider? Assad to be an adversary of the United States. When
3: I look at whether it's Syria or Turkey or Russia or China or other countries in the world, I look at what are their interests Mm -hmm. and are their interests counter to our interests. So what would you say he is to the United States? If you cannot say that he's an adversary or an enemy, what is Assad to the U.S.? What is the word?
0: I'll play the rest of the clip. I'll play the rest of the clip. But you know what this reminds me of? You know what this reminds me of um you know when i was (laughs) when i was uh in college right uh i i was dating somebody and uh you know i was kind of on the fence a little bit i was kind of on the fence you know i did love her but i didn't know if i was like in love you know have you ever had that where you like love somebody and you're attracted to them but like, are you in love? Do you even know what in love means? But I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to not, I, I want to be with the person. I just don't know if I'm in love. But, you know, the, the they, she said to me like, well, you know, do you love me? Are you in love with me or do you love me? Do you love me or are you in love with me? And, you know, as I grew, I, I understand the difference, but. This is like they're trying to get her to be so declarative and pledge her allegiance, pledge your allegiance to the United Empire of America or the United States of Empire. And they're trying to get her so strongly. You can't be a part of that club, that club if you don't pledge to want to wanna, you know be at 20 different wars at one time. And dip our toe into every other country known to man. And and Tulsi Gabbard, you know, they can't stand nuance. They can't stand diplomacy. They can't stand not declaring every foreign – they can't stand not declaring every uh, untoward or uh, foreign leader that's terrible or brutal our enemy. Well, I don't see. I, I've never heard any of them challenging any politician on their show to say, "Do you consider Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia our enemy, or the King of Jordan our enemy, or frankly uh, Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel our enemy, and some of the right-wing dictator, authoritarian things he's been doing?" Can't stand it.
3: You can describe it however you want to describe it. My my point is that whether it is Syria or any of these other countries, we need to look at how their interests are counter to or aligned with ours aligned with ours? What are Assad's interests? Assad seems interested in the slaughter, primarily of his own people, in part. I mean, how survival, does that line up say. survival? Yes, because. exactly. Well, he <laughs> and he seems to be uses, willing to go to great ends to do that. He also
1: uses weapons of mass destruction on
3: no, his own people as well. I, so I mean, we, we can talk about all these things. My point here is... Is it important you, to talk about these things? My, it's that he impor- uses it's chemical important. weapons on his own people? Of course, of course. It's important to talk about how our military is being used what it is costing them, what it is costing the American people, and whether or not those missions, those objectives, serve the security of the United States and the American people.
0: I want to ask you, I mean, if you don't go along with their line, forget it. And then, you know, I had a little, uh, I don't think she responded to me, but I, I had a little tweet because Casey Hunt, who was that smug quote-unquote reporter out there, uh, you know, saying, uh, you know, did, they, did, did your guest ask you why you went to meet with President Bashar al-Assad. She's up there saying, here's NBC News' excellent reporting on the Russian machine that now appears to be boosting Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she's referencing the totally ridiculous NBC News story uh, that essentially says that RT America and Sputnik has done – a bunch of stories on Tulsi Gabbard. So that means that Russia is working to get Tulsi Gabbard elected. They also used research from New Knowledge, uh, New Knowledge, uh, the, the, the cybersecurity firm that literally has been kicked off Facebook. Its founder has been kicked off Facebook because they were caught meddling, love that word, meddling in the Alabama Senate election. So NBC News, this is, this is totally crazy. And here's the link, by the way, if you want to read this story, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Glenn Greenwald did some great work exposing this. But NBC News literally wrote a piece, a report claiming uh, Russia supports Tulsi Gabbard relying on a firm just caught fabricating Russia data for the Democratic Party. Like you can't make this up. And you have that idiot Casey Hunt you know, challenging Tulsi Gabbard, who, by the way, in the past has called Bashar al-Assad a brutal dictator. She has called him a brutal dictator, but you know what? The United States is in bed with a hell of a lot of brutal dictators. The brutal dictators we like are the ones that will give us their oil, give us their natural resources. The brutal dictators we do not like are those who won't and are compete with our business interests. That's the difference. Pro-brutal dictator that gives us the oil and their natural resources and is good for American business. Anti-brutal dictator who's not. All brutal dictators. I mean, I think Assad is a brutal dictator. But why is it that we're so, so upset about Assad, not Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who's responsible for a genocide in Yemen? Tens of thousands of people dying in Yemen we're cool with that. The only reason we weren't cool with that is not because of what he's doing in Yemen, but because an elite Washington Post journalist was executed by the crown prince. Before that, not a peep about the genocide going on in Yemen. It's truly remarkable because as I tweeted, let me find my own tweet, you know, showing this little diagram or, or Pentagon or square. I don't know. What what shape is that? A Pentagon? I, I wasn't good in that class. So, do you, do you notice they have a bunch of candidates who haven't even announced yet? Love Bernie, but hasn't even announced. Better O'Rourke hasn't announced, even though he, him and Oprah were you know, playing patty cake yesterday in an interview. Joe Biden hasn't announced. Bloomberg hasn't announced. Amy Klobuchar hasn't announced. Elizabeth Warren hasn't formally announced. Sherrod Brown hasn't formally announced. So they got all of these quote unquote 2020 candidates. Who's missing there? I mean, if this isn't what Noam Chomsky talks about, manufacturing consent, or in this case, manufacturing disconsent. You don't have to like Tulsi Gabbard, but she's a declared candidate. She's a Congresswoman of the United States. And you don't, she's not included? What is this that they like to say? Picking winners and losers? I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting what they're doing. Hey you want to have an actual debate as a media outlet on regime change, on whether the United States should be getting involved with all these other countries and trying to topple dictators and all this stuff, great. Let's have that debate. I think it's a good debate to have. But when you have this, this smorgasbord of overpaid, elite, cocktail crowd, idiots on the panel of Morning Joe trying to gang up on a congresswoman who's had the bravery, the courage, to say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to President Bashar al-Assad. I'm going to try and encourage a political resolution because there is no uh, military solution in Syria. And there's no military solution in Saudi Arabia and Yemen or any of those places. There never was. But you know, she's propping up a dictator. Meanwhile, David Ignatius, who's basically works for the CIA and just pretends to be a Washington Post columnist. Never heard a CIA, a CIA talking point. He never regurgitated in print. Uh, he's on there asking her questions. He cheerleaded for Iraq. He cheerleaded for Syria. He cheerleads for every war. Same thing with Morning Joe. They love war. Never challenged war. And they've been down with this new McCarthyism against Russia too. And, and trying to tr- trying to make Tulsi Gabbard and Glenn Greenwald and you know anybody who questions this escalation of, uh, with a nuclear power as puppets of Vladimir Putin. I mean, it's, it's number one, it's dangerous what they're doing, and, and frankly, it's un-American. I wasn't around for McCarthyism, but this definitely is the new McCarthyism. And how does somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who I can't get in her head, but I'm assuming she knows it's an uphill climb, uphill climb for her to get the Democratic nomination or become president, but she wants to get her ideas in a debate. But how do you even get your ideas? How do you even get on the debate stage if the media is, I just showed you, literally working to make it, uh, make it that people don't even know you're running, to cancel you out as a candidate? You're not featured in stories written on CNN. You're, you're painted as an Assad apologist, or you're painted uh, you know, as propping up, being propped up by Russia,